0: Which pup-listed Seahawks should you be more concerned about this season? Is Jeremy Langford's weight gain a good or bad thing? And is Amir Abdullah bound to disappoint again? Plus, FFPC main event and off-the-grid veteran John Shaw drops by to share his thoughts on Bruce Ellington, Amari Cooper, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts right now. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by myFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak.
1: Can't see me!
0: Thanks a lot, Rob. And Greetings and salutations to uh, all you balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts tuning in. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll tell you where we're drafting Tom Brady, uh, how you can ignore the noise of preseason puff pieces, and whether or not clarity has just presented itself among the Baltimore running backs. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. However, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman, and at David Gerzak. If you'd like to connect with tonight's guest, that is John Shaw, off the grid and FFPC main event veteran. He's on J. Shaw, Twitter at J. So we'll give him a follow as well. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347 game over. The email show uh, the email address for the show is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Send those emails, and our mutual friend and producer, Rob, and our audio engineer, Bryce, will get those to us in our fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Dave, welcome back. It has uh, been a rough few broadcasts without you. Good to have you back.
1: I heard everyone was excited about how well everybody else did. I'm not too
0: happy about that, Bulky. I
1: was trying to sugarcoat it for you. No. You've got to replace me. Just replace me. I don't even care. You stay up Feral. Yeah. There are all the other goons you had on this past week. I don't I don't care.
0: We're gonna keep stringing you along. Mola, come I, on. He's a what, writer. What, what's your problem with He's him? He's a writer, bulk. He's also a podcaster in the Draft Sharks podcast as well. He doesn't have the, the level of experience that I do in this business. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing. Let's uh, start things off on a lighter note. <laughs> was, it, that was, was that a heavy note? To too start? heavy. It was way too heavy. That was like Yokozuna heavy.
1: <laughs>
0: Let's talk about salsa. Oh yeah. Usually you pronounce it differently. Exactly. And I think I found out why this evening. I was talking to my wife. Um, I, I, I don't remember um, about what I. Th- well, we were over at her folks tonight, and she said something like, "Oh, I'm going to bring over this taco dip and these chips." And when we we're coming home, she's bringing the chips home. I'm like, well, I thought you brought these chips to your parents." And she said, "Well, no, they, um, they already had chips, plus they had salsa." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait, they had what?" She's like, "Salsa." And I'm like, "Salsa." She's like, Salsa. And I'm like, and so I'm figuring out, because you guys always make fun of me, because I say Salsa instead of Salsa. I'm figuring out that it's it's because of her. It's her fault. That I pronounce it Salsa. <laughs> so Salsa. And she couldn't, I was saying it over and over again, she could not understand the difference. That's, uh,
1: she's something else. Yeah, she she's is. She's quite the spirit. She is.
0: Um, okay, so let's uh, talk about um, the FFPC. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the uh
1: Political conventions that just went on.
0: Oh, of course. The first five minutes of the show, we have to talk about that. Um, Remember, at myffpc.com, ladies and gentlemen, we have plenty of football guys, players, championship drafts going on this weekend, $350 entry fee, $1.8 million prize pool, $250,000 to the winner, 650 people will get paid. It is the largest uh, mid-stakes event in industry history. I'm projecting a sellout. But you've said that the last few years. This year, I mean it. This year, we mean it. Damn uh, right, bulky. Online satellites. And, I,
1: I'd be willing to put five on
0: it. <laughs> Should we do that?
1: Yeah, I'll bet you five bucks. All it right. Falls off.
0: All right. I got five on the Football Guys Players Championship, not selling out. I'm the optimist, and I have five on it, selling out. I got five
2: oh. on
0: it. For, easy, more yeah. easy money for the G Man. Feel bad not towing the company line on this wager, but. <laughs> but, but um, I'm got to be a hater. Make, yes, yeah. Um, so. Online uh, uh, satellites and Superflex leagues also at myffpc.com. Plenty of Dynasty leagues. Check those out. They Dynasty started, is almost over, by the way. Start at $35 and up. What do you mean it's almost over? Well, the I mean, 250 you know, keep filling. No, I know, but I'm, it's, uh, we're heading into August, and this is slow draft, so I feel like the 20th we're not launching anymore. Okay, so, so. get in while the uh, while the Dynasty iron is hot, as it were, uh, and uh, cash in on one of those uh, Dynasty startups. So, I want to thank Football Guys and Rob for tonight's rundown. Let's kick things off, Dave, with uh, breaking news.
1: How's Rob doing, by the way? He's good. I haven't been talking Why to him. Why don't you much ask much. him? Rob, what's going on? I'm giving you the thumbs up. Yeah. No. Rob's got, you know, hopefully, Rob's uh, everything's okay with him. He's uh, been looking a little haggard lately.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's he's a, working too hard. That's his thing, that, <laughs> yeah. that's his look. ESPN.com's Jameson Hensley reports that the Titans have signed wide receiver Andre Johnson. What? Of course you remember Andre. He's still playing? Of course you remember Andre Johnson from uh, when your grandfather started playing fantasy football. When he scored all those four touchdowns? This is actually Andre Johnson's third team in his career, all three of them in the AFC South. So I don't know if the revenge is factor again with signing with the titans or this was literally the only team willing to give him a shot after last year's 41 catch for 503 yards and four touchdown performance dante moncrief outplayed him down the stretch last year really all season in indianapolis and there's a lot of receivers in Tennessee. Justin Hunter, Tajay Sharp, Doriel Green-Beckham, Harry Douglas, uh, Kendall Wright, uh, Ooh, a lot to, of, to a name, lot name of, a few. A lot of winners there. Well, I'm not saying Andre Johnson's one of them, but what are your thoughts, Dave, on uh, Andre Johnson? Should we be paying attention to this? Does nope. it matter for fantasy? Nope. Do you even think that he makes the team this year? Uh, he might. You, you know, I, I feel like... Very, very uninterested. I feel like this is just another reason to avoid Tennessee this year, just in general. No, but I mean, this this hurts. The fact that they're bringing him in means one of two things or maybe two things. A, they're not happy with the receivers they have there. And B, uh, even if they are happy, this means more snaps for Andre Johnson, which means less snaps for the other guys.
1: I I don't think there's anything to be read into this at all. Doyle Green uh, Beckham reported uh, in good shape this. I just read
0: that. It's got to be the first time in his career.
1: 228 pounds, bulky, and he passed the conditioning test.
0: Excellent. So he's well on his way to an underwhelming season. Hey, it's better than Andre Johnson. I am not on Team DGB this year. Um, Thomas Rawls and Jimmy Graham will not practice when training camp begins for the Seattle Football Seahawks tomorrow. Uh, both players will be brought along slowly, and they, they might actually end up uh, starting uh, the preseason on the uh, PUP list. They're both on track to be ready for the start of the NFL season, according to uh, general manager John Schneider. And this was all, of course, tweeted out by Adam Schefter. Uh, Thomas Rawls, Dave, currently going in the late fourth round of uh, Football Guys Players Championship drafts. Jimmy Graham going in the late seventh round. Who are you more concerned with regarding this injury for each of these uh, guys, Jimmy Graham coming off the knee, Thomas Rawls coming off the broken ankle.
1: Well, I guess I'm concerned with both of them, actually. I mean, I guess more concerned Rawls probably because he's a running back, but uh, I mean, they're both bad injuries and Graham was playing poorly before the knee injury. Rawls is uh he was, he played great as an undrafted free agent type, right. you know, wasn't like a pedigree player, but you know, I don't when and someone has an injury and they're not they're on track to play in week one and they were injured last year. I mean yeah. that's terrible. I mean awful. I have no interest in either of those guys. Fourth round for Rawls, I think, is still
0: over. You know, still overpaying. And Graham, same thing. You know, I I'll, here's how I'll answer this question. I believe that I'm more concerned with Rawls just because of where he's going in drafts. If you're investing a fourth round pick in him, uh, you know you should have some semblance of security with that selection, and you're just not getting it right now. The fact that Jimmy Graham's going in the late seventh, he's been drafted as a as a backup tight end, Dave, for the Pros versus Joes drafts that we were covering um, on Monday. Um, now, excuse me, on Sunday, when I was covering it with Farrell Elliott, of course, of so the KFFSC, um, I said, I couldn't believe team one. I, I forget who was drafting first overall then. I think it was James Harper. Who cares? Took Gary Barnage in, like, the seventh round or something like that. And then the eighth round, Jimmy Graham. I said to Farrell, because they were stacked on top of each other in the draft board, I said, When's the last time you saw that? Gary (laughs) Barnage's name right above Jimmy Graham's name on a draft board. That is interesting. And then the following night when I was hosting, I think I was with Alex Blake the following night, Jimmy Graham was the 27th tight end selected. Well, wow, that's really late. 26 it's, tight ends before These
1: are DEs, though, so it's a lot different than in a championship-type format.
0: That is true. So, Jimmy Graham, uh, if you're drafting him in the late 7th, you're probably drafting him as a backup. I don't know too many people who are drafting him as a starter this year. I am more concerned about his injury. I think it was a much more serious injury, and it's an extremely difficult one to come back from. I mean, if, Yeah, exactly. I agree with
1: you there. And If, if Graham was a little bit later, like 8th, 9th, 10th, I could put him as part of my... Crappy tight end trifecta that I like to use as a strategy. Right. Yeah. So it's like you know, throw him in there with a couple, you know, like a Saffarian Jenkins and some other turd, and then one of them hopefully gets polished just right, and then you're fine. And that does happen. It does work. Right. And Graham would be good to put in there, but he's actually a little bit too pricey even at that. That's what you do in non-FFPC leagues
0: because you can't play in the FFPC. In FFPC, yeah, this is a tad on the late side, I guess. But okay. I still don't want to spend a seventh rounder on that. Right. I don't know. Lance, sports betting man Turbis says in the chat room, Rawls is a bust. Jimmy has a chance to be. Strong in the fantasy playoffs and there there is something to be said for that even if Graham does is not at full strength at the start of the season maybe he does miss the first few games less wear and tear on the old tires maybe Seattle's playing for home field advantage come down the stretch of the NFL season and Graham becomes a a veritable three-week beast as it were Tom Brady received the first snaps today in uh excuse me yesterday during uh the quarterback drills and seven on seven drills during uh, the Patriots practice. Jimmy Garoppolo received the first snaps during the 11-on-11 side of practice. Garoppolo went 11-for-14. Brady went 8-for-14, according to— Oh, do you
1: think Garoppolo's going to take his job? Yeah,
0: we quarterback controversy in New England. (laughs) This is according to Mike Reese from ESPNBoston.com. So you look at Tom Brady, Dave, going in the mid-ninth round of Football Guys Players Championship and FFPC drafts right now. Would you be spending a ninth-round pick on Tom Brady? Well, sure, why not? I don't think I would. I'm going to tell you why.
1: I was getting him, by the way, in the 11th round when he was playing the whole season in Kentucky.
0: I think that with quarterback depth being as deep as it is this year... Here we go. You don't, not only do you not need to spend a ninth-round pick on Brady, you probably don't need to spend a ninth-round pick on quarterback either. By the uh, way, okay,
1: in main event drafts, when it's a, a ninth-round pick... Right. Add two rounds. That's an 11th round pick. So Brady's going to go oh, in the you 11th round. Oh, you front. think
0: he's going to actually drop even further?
1: Yeah, but, you know, in main event drafts,
0: he's going to go like in the 11th round, not the 9th okay. round. Well, then there you go. Then you're talking I about suppose that. That's the real area. Now, I will say this. If you uh, are a fan of Tom Brady and are concerned about the suspension, don't be. Take him in the 8th, take him in the 9th, whatever. Get him on your roster. You're going to be able to grab somebody late for those um, um, first four games of the season that Brady's slated to miss. I will not be drafting Brady at that point. If, you, if you're nervous about it for that reason, you should not be. Go out and grab him. Get your guys, Dave.
1: You know, at that point in the draft, who cares? I mean, just if you let, take him, who cares? doesn't matter. You're not going to be, like, saving the manatees or anything. If you, if you don't take Brady in the ninth round, so you can get some other guy like Jerick McKinnon. Who cares? Just take him.
0: Um, is McKinnon going in the ninth? No, I well, whatever. I was
1: just saying somebody.
0: Yeah, uh, Turbis, uh, a sports betting man, saying in the chat room, late-round quarterbacks this year that you can get. These are like 15th, 16-round picks. Well, maybe not Eli Manning. 15th, really? 15th for Jameis Winston and Blake Bortles? Absolutely. You can get – well, not Bortles, but <laughs> I guess I saw Win- I saw Winston. I knew he was going in the 15th. Bortles and so, Eli Manning going well, a Winston little ahead then. of that. But like Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill. Andy, Andy Redhair right? Dalton. He's got the – yeah, let he, me gets, tell you, he
1: gets a ginger penalty, me, you know. Let me
0: tell you something. Because
1: people don't like red hair people, so right. that he gets like a
0: two-round penalty just because he's got red hair yeah. and pale skin. So
1: he's still a pretty good quarterback.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you this. Andy Dalton, this is how deep quarterback is this year. In 28-round draft experts leagues where literally all the starters are getting chosen, I would say on average only 20 quarterbacks are being chosen in those leagues. In, in, tw- in what and, round? Andy Dalton not even being drafted. <laughs> in 28-round in, in draft. You're experts lying. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Tom Brady in those drafts, 26th round. Well, you're so full of practice. it. It's insane. You know, the, the you're doing
1: a, you were doing a disservice.
0: I, Balky is joking. I commished uh, a draft experts, a $250 draft experts, last yeah. week, Dave. Yeah. Total of six quarterbacks taken on the whole draft. You know, why do you got to talk about Six. And the first one wasn't taken until round seventeen. You know that would be that, you know that's actually realistic if it was all Balkman drafting it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, or Aaron Magirian and Bo Verman, uh AJ Kelsall. Uh, we have uh, our guest uh, John Shaw coming up just uh, in a minute, but I do want to get to this Josh Doxson news. He has an Achilles problem and he's actually going to be shut down until he's 100 percent healthy, according to Jay Gruden. Uh, Gruden said he was yeah. he and the team were not satisfied how the Achilles was progressing. This is according to Redskins.com. Tough for a rookie receiver, Dave, to come in healthy, and now Doxon has to come in hurt. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to draft him in a redraft format. He was going in the mid-12th round. I think that this bumps his value down uh, quite a bit. And Pierre Garçon, who was a 15th-round pick, gets bumped up on this news. Of course. You, okay, you, so you don't think it's that no, much? I, no, I think,
1: it's, I think it moves
0: him up. Um, Garcon and that Redskins offense, I, here's Garcon a was uber cheap anyway, for so long. I mean, he, yeah. And he still is, in my opinion, right now, uber cheap. You look at, you frame the Washington offense this way. All right. They've built the team, the offense to succeed or to make Kirk Cousins receive, or to succeed. All those pass catchers they have on that team. Jordan Reed, number two tight end off the boards in FFPC. Okay, that's one. You have, um. Deshaun Jackson, who's still the deep threat on this roster. Yep. You have three, Mr. 3-for-80 three in a touchdown a couple of three weeks. You have Matt Jones, one of the oh, better, great, great better, great pass younger catcher. pass-catching running backs out of the backfield. Is he? Yes. And <laughs> so now what's the path for Pierre Garçon's success? Well, you get an injury to any of those guys, and all of a sudden Pierre Garçon is going to be outperforming 14th-round value. And Jordan Reed gets hurt a lot. Matt Jones was dinged up last year. Deshaun Jackson, no stranger to the trainer's table. I think that that's a good. I don't think even you need though
1: to it, rely on Matt though, Jones to have a problem or even, Deshaun. Even
0: though it's low upside right now, I feel like the ceiling on Pierre Garçon could be much higher. Even though it's a total boring and unsexy pick.
1: Yeah, those are the picks to take. Yeah, exactly. I think Garçon. I, I wouldn't mind taking him late. What's the? I mean, you don't have to worry about Deshaun Jackson or Matt Jones to make Garçon. He's going to be the number the second target. I'm
0: saying team. it. You don't have to rely on all these guys. I'm saying just one of them.
1: Yeah, I don't like. By the way, this article here says that they love Dachshund's long-term upside. And I don't like him at all. By the way, why just is that? Just, I, you know, he's he was an old guy coming out. That's true. And he, I just, I, I thought he was always, over, I thought he was overrated. So okay. I, don't, I don't like him. I didn't draft him in a single dynasty thing. I don't like him, and he's Achilles. I don't like him even more now.
0: Well, coming up after the break, we have somebody who I hate him, who is not overrated, who we love. And that's John Shaw, long time. We'll FFCC decide after veteran. the interview oh, how I feel about I already like him. <laughs> All right, that's coming up. You're listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Eric Balkman and Dave Girzak. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I am Eric Balkman and he is Dave Gerzek. Let's welcome in tonight's guest. He began playing fantasy football in the mid 1990s. After winning numerous championships in his local leagues, he finally decided to join the high stakes fantasy football industry. In 2004, he and his brother in law entered a team into the WCOF and he attended his first live draft in Vegas. He decided to expand and add a team to the FFPC in 2009. The main event has always been his preference, but a couple of years ago he added a team to Off the Grid. This will be his third year playing in both the main event and Off the Grid. And from year one, he's always made it a point to draft live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Please welcome to the high-stakes fantasy footballer, John Shaw. John, thanks uh, so much for making some time for us tonight.
2: Uh, good, good evening, and thanks for having me.
0: John, we, uh, we want to get to uh, some fantasy football analysis because you certainly have a, a lot of experience in the HSFF industry. Tell the listeners what you do for a living first.
2: Yeah, um, Eric, I'm in uh, logistics transportation um, based out of Houston, Texas, dealing with the oil and gas industry. I'm responsible for multiple locations here in the southwest region.
0: John, we have a we are already have a question in the uh, in the chat room, and I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Uh, sports betting man wants to know what team name you usually go by in the FFPC. War Eagle. War Eagle. Of course, the the, the Auburn man sure. uh, obviously goes by War Eagle. So, okay, fantastic. Hopefully that uh, that helps out oh, so,
1: okay. Lance
2: a little bit. I'm,
0: so, John, uh, were you the one who were emailing Chris Lambert about that
1: you need your draft spots because you guys are partying this weekend?
2: Yeah, that's correct, Dave.
1: Ah, damn it. You know, I don't have them done yet, and I apologize. And, you know, the next, this leads me to the next question is because I, it talks about your Castlevania main event championship game. And uh, our good friend Bryce, I was talking to him today, and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing for, uh, for main event league names this year? And I, and I almost just fell over. I was all pissed off because I'm, like, thinking about having to do all these draft spots. Like, you know, did a little bit tonight, and then tomorrow morning is, we're doing the rest. I hadn't even thought about these league names. Okay. And this is a
0: whole other stressor right. on top of the early draft spots, John. I don't. I'm not too happy about it. Couple, couple of things here, Dave. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you. All right. Number one, yeah, we never figured those out until we go down to Kentucky and back. That's when we always figure out the the main event league. And it's tough to top Castlevania. That's it's, such a it's, great one. It's it's not going to be easy. And I have. A pretty solid idea of what we're going to do this year, and I haven't brought it up yet, but I'm I'm pretty confident that everybody's going to go for it. My blood pressure just dropped a Good. Excellent.
1: All right. so first of all, John, we'll get you to those draft spots tomorrow. Uh, Sorry that they're not out yet.
2: Um, Okay, Um, well, well, I appreciate that, and and, and like I mentioned to Chris, you know, if y'all happen to be in the Houston area, we've got a spot for you tomorrow. Oh,
1: see, I wish that'd be great.
2: Unfortunately, I'm stuck here in Wisconsin.
0: Snowy Wisconsin. (laughs)
1: That's all what's the what is it is it a hundred down there right now? Or what's the temperature like?
2: Yeah, heat index is probably tipping out at hundred and six, hundred and eight, you know, hot and humid. Typical Houston oh. weather for the summer.
1: Yeah, that's all right. You guys are great nine other months out of the year, so
2: anyway, Dave, I interrupted you when you're <laughs> asking the question for John. Let's
1: talk Castlevania. <laughs> you uh you lost to uh Mike Nazarek, unfortunately, in the championship game. Uh you did have Jeremy Langford get you there last year. Uh and he supposedly put you know, Langford put on 10 pounds this year because he wants to be the feature back. Um, what do you think of Langford this season? Actually, I kind of liked him a little bit last year, and I, I'm a little bit optimistic myself. I'm going to give you my precursor to my, my thoughts. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I'll tell you, Dave, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he's just getting um, beat up and down, you know, during the, um, you know, with ADPs, you know, with all the fantasy talk. You know, you, you hear all the talk about, you know, his run blocking. You know, yards after contact, drop balls. But, um, you know, he, he did well for us last year. You know, um, we were unfortunate. We, we had some running backs go down early. You know, we saw him on the waiver wire. Uh, there was talk about um, Dallas potentially trading for him. You know, so we were able to pick him up pretty cheap. And the uh, the three weeks that we started him, you know, he put up double digits. So um, I'm really surprised that um, he's getting so much bad bad press this summer you know but I, I guess everything will kind of work its way you know during the the, the you know the um you know going into the um otas and, and so forth
1: i mean do you put any stock into the i mean you hear a lot of the pundits saying oh jordan howard this jordan howard that the guy who was like a fifth round draft pick uh, the season. I mean, do you put anything into this? Some, so, I mean, granted, Langford was a rookie last year, but he had, you know, he did show some amount of metal, at least. So, do you put any stock into Howard all of a sudden, leaping out of the fifth round status into taking that starting running back job, or the four eight six Kadeem Carey? I think he ran slower than Bubba Franks in the forty time. Kadeem Carey is the other guy <laughs> that they're talking about there. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I'll tell you. I think I'm probably more concerned with Carey because it seemed like at the end of the year. They were using him more around the goal line, you know, and, and taking touchdowns away from Langford. But, um, you know, the coaching staff, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Langford was drafted in the fourth round last year, you know, and um, prior to Forte getting hurt, he was being used. So um, I, I think they've invested in him. I, I don't know if they've given up on him. But um, I, I'm, I'm not really hearing a whole lot about Howard, you know, so um, maybe something will shake out in the preseason. But But I'm kind of like you with Langford you know just um I I think there's an opportunity there we just got to see how things shake out with him
1: well can I give a real quick little my thought process he went he was drafted
0: 106 overall uh
1: last year you know I'm just
0: I'm looking at the website you pulled up Jeremy Langford actually uh shares a birthday with my mother (laughs) so take that for what it's worth
1: Please put that down in your draft yeah, guide, this, everyone.
0: I'll tell you what—that was probably in the Matt Waldman rookie scouting portfolio,
1: portfolio when Langford
0: was a rookie. I I'll tell you that. I'll tell you why people don't like Langford.
1: The pundits don't like Langford, It's because he was a he was a super fast guy. He had a great speed score, so he was one of those metrics guys. <laughs> right. But he didn't, you know, his he didn't look all that great on film. So all those film guys are like, ah, oh, Langford sucks, blah blah blah. And he didn't have the best, you know, yards per carry last season. So everyone wants to hate on him. He also, he
0: also he also dropped a lot of passes last year too.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, and granted, he's got he's got some problems, but I think that they want to definitely poke more holes in his game. They just don't they don't want to like him. Kind of like if you're political, you know, again, I'm going to bring politics in quickly. If you don't like Hillary, you're not going to like Hillary. If you don't like Trump, you're not going to like Trump. It's just kind of the way it is, you know. And then right. you, like if you if you're a fan of if you're a fan of Trump, you don't know, like Hillary, you're going to watch Fox News, and if you like mm-hmm. Hillary, you're going to watch CNN, and then they're going to say everything you like to hear. So right. it's like, oh, exactly, just what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. Sort of like how people who love fantasy football don't listen to this podcast. Exactly. I think that's a perfect, perfect analysis there. Jeremy Langford going in the mid-sixth, uh, Jordan Howard going in the uh, mid-13th right now. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the, the prices on those guys are, are otherworldly. Howard, to me, is a, is a really good buy in the late 13th, or in the mid-13th. Uh, John, let's uh, shift focus to another running back, Jamal Charles. He's actually coming off a season-ending knee injury. He's already been placed on the preseason pup list with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. If you were actually drafting in the middle of the pack and you took a wide receiver in the first round, How likely would it be that you would snatch up Jamal Charles if you were available in the mid-second?
2: Well, uh, um, I'll tell you, Eric, I I was unfortunate last year. Um, I I took Charles number five overall. You know, so um, he did well the first five weeks. And then, of course, injury comes up. Um, He is one player that, um, you know, I'm not really targeting right now. And, um, you know, all indication is, you know, his recovery is good. But, um and I've got some concerns. You know, he's 28. I think he's going to be 29 at the end of the year to second ACL. But um, I think more than anything, you know, my biggest concern would be the Chiefs re-signing Ware and West. So, um, you know, I mean, if he's available week one, that's great. It's just I'm kind of concerned about his touches.
0: That makes a lot of sense uh, as far as that goes, too. Charles is, is the type of guy that, you know, he, he's been a staple in, in the first round of, of fantasy drafts for so long that, uh, you know, it just on, at face value, it seems like, oh man, Charles is out there in the second. It's just your, your gut reaction, your, your reflex is to select him. Uh, and he is going in the late uh, second round right now uh, of FFPC drafts. The 211 is, is his current ADP. So I think that um, you have to fight that reflex a little. I think there's higher upside guys. Uh, both at the running back and receiver position, even tight end to a certain extent, uh, that do not have the injury history, the tread on the tires, and the age uh, that Jamal Charles has makes a lot of sense. Dave, what do you think uh, yeah. regarding Charles?
1: Uh, I, don't, you know, I know he's coming off the an knee injury, and I was saying how I don't like guys coming off injuries. Uh, but to me, Charles is a little bit different. He's a special player. So I, I think that unlike Rawls, I mean, he, this guy's an all-pro. And they don't need to see anything out of him. So, actually, I, I don't mind, Charles. I think you're getting a little bit of a you know, round-and-a-half discount. I'll take him in that, that type of range. Oh,
0: interesting. Okay.
1: So, I'm uh, on board. We'll see. That might be a total mistake.
0: Well, I mean, you could change your opinion, too, as the preseason wears on. True that. Although, I don't know how much Charles will see in the preseason. So. Yeah, you know, you just get all the all the news reports, all the puff pieces you love. Well, it's going to be a lot of wear and West as far as, as uh, the games go. So yeah. I, I don't know like what, what's going to, what news is going to change Jamal Charles. Up Charles until is looking event. good on uh, Instagram. Was he? Do you follow him on Instagram?
1: No, I saw some video where they were showing him, you know, like running the ropes or whatever, just doing the, the choppy feet thing. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, I, and it's so stupid where it's like, who gives a crap, right? Yeah. Apparently I did.
0: No. So, well, there I, you go. I
1: bought it. John, so you've, you've played sure. in the main event with us here at the FFPC. You're a veteran of the off-the-grid format, which I played in the 2008 with Baker Boy um, with, in WCOF right before they went away. Uh, I love the format myself. I wish I could play it. I think it's so awesome. So historically, what's been your strategy in that event? And as people who don't really know about it, you, know, you bid on your draft spots in the first two rounds. So you have some guys who come in, they'll spend like two grand on the number one pick, and they'll spend a bunch of money on the early second round pick. You only bid on – are kind of independent, or then you have guys who will go super cheap. Like they'll spend a dollar, or five dollars, or fifty dollars, and then they'll also go cheap in the second round. Or you'll have a combination. What do you uh, What do you guys generally do?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what. With, with off the grid, you know, I mean, we have a great time, you know, in that league. You know, the the thing I think that that I think that we like about it the best is, you know, you can pretty much set, you know, um, you know your draft position based off of your strategy, you know, and and every year. You know, you, you know, we always go into the draft, or at least I do, and I look for value in rounds three through eight. You know, so, um, you know, the FF, or I'm sorry, the off-the-grid, you know, it kind of gives you the opportunity to, um, you know, either pick in the top half, you know, the middle or the bottom, you know, based off of your strategy, you know, because, um, you know, you're basically bidding on that first-round pick, but the uh, draft actually starts to snake in the third round, you know. So, um if you see if you see an opportunity or some value in the early third round you know then you want to kind of pick towards the top you know if if you're okay with the value you know, later in the in the in third round early fourth then, of course you want you want to drop to the bottom you know but but i think the, the you know the what really sets it off though was that second round pick you know so um you know in in the in the standard main event you know you're basically setting strategy based off of where you draft you know, and your draft position is is predetermined going in. You know, but um, you know, with that second round pick, I mean, in, in all actuality, you can pick number one, and off the grid. And if you want to, you can pick number thirteen in the second round, rather than waiting uh, for the snake to come around at, at twenty four. So, um, you know, from a strategy standpoint, it changes every year. You know, um, you know, right now, you know, and of course, you know, it's still cut fairly early. You know, but. You know, uh, right now you see a lot of value in the early third round. So if you want to load up on the receivers, you know, like a lot of people are talking about doing now, it's probably beneficial to pick up in the, in the top third of the draft. You know, if you want to, um, you know, maybe go running back heavy, the middle of the draft looks pretty good because the value for the running backs is there in the third and fourth round. So that, that, that's what kind of makes it unique there.
0: John, just to follow up on that, you know, playing in the FFPC off the grid the last, um, well, this will be your third third straight year playing it. But the last couple of years, have you seen anything crazy done among, um, you know, your, your fellow players uh, in that league as far as bidding goes, or or a bidding war, or anything, uh, you know, a strategy that you were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that over the last couple of years. Does anything uh, come to
2: mind? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what's kind of crazy about it is. You know, of course, you know, um, you know, at, up at, towards the top of the draft, depending on the player, you know, you would typically think that he's going to cost more, you know, than than the second overall pick. But, you know, that's not really – that's not always the same case. A couple years ago, I, I really wasn't targeting a certain player. Um, I saw him available in, in the, at number three. I expected him to go a little bit earlier. And, actually, I paid less for him at number three than the fourth round pick. You know, um, ended up going for. You know, so um, you know, as you get closer to the bottom of the first round, you know, you might have you know ten or eleven go for, or twelve go for fifty dollars, but coming back up on the snake at thirteen, you know that um, that pick there could go for eight to nine hundred dollars. So it's it's pretty interesting, you know how the um, you know how, how how everybody's strategizing based off of the players that they're looking for.
0: John Shaw, FFPC and off-the-grid veteran joining the high-stakes fantasy football hour tonight. Let's talk a little bit about Bruce Ellington, John. Both the media and the coaching staff in San Francisco Mm -hmm. have really been hyping him up this offseason. He's actually slated to be the number two receiver in that new, fast-paced Chip Kelly 49ers offense. The fact that you can get him... Uh, super late in, in drafts right now, uh, make you more inclined to grab him this season. I mean, I've seen him. He's he's kind of one of those double-digit round players where he fluctuates uh, all over the place. Sometimes he goes in the twelfth or thirteenth. Sometimes he goes like they would be talking like DEs like twenty third, twenty fourth. So he's all over the place. What's your opinion on Bruce Ellington as a double-digit round flyer?
2: Yeah. Okay, Eric. You know, I mean, first of all, I think San Francisco. You know, they're going to be playing from behind. You know, so um. You know, they don't really have a quarterback, you know, so you've got to kind of see how that takes out. But um, Ellington, if I'm not, you know, he's more of a slot guy, you know, so I'm kind of surprised that he's being discussed as the number two receiver. But at the end of the day, you know, they got to throw the ball to somebody, you know, so, um, I mean, if he's available there, um, you know, in the double-digit rounds, you know, I mean, he could be worth a flyer. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem, you know, jumping on him in the later rounds.
1: What do you think, Ellington Bulk? I, I, I liked him coming out of uh, South Carolina. Co- yeah, college. He was, a, he was a point guard on the team, yep. on the basketball team. And I, I know that he was who dreams. Yeah, there's all sorts of interesting stuff about him. And he had yeah. a lot of really good metrics. His leaping ability was fantastic. So I did like him coming out. But, you know, he kind of fell by the wayside, did
0: nothing. And now you're hearing about him a little again. Can I tell you something I don't like about him? Uh, yes, please. he actually does not share a birthday with my mother. God. So really, you know, unfortunate for him. But um, his,
1: his, okay, so you said middle rounds. I, I'm seeing this ADP here that Rob props, 2305. What middle round is that? Well, that's, a, that's listen. This isn't an NFFC draft. You're man, talking. You're, you're talking the eight Those are
0: that's that's DE ADP. That's the
1: middle.
0: Well, I mean, sometimes it goes <laughs> higher. The, the thing is,
1: the 28 round draft. The 23 is the middle.
0: The, the thing is. The way that you can, or the the way that he's been fluctuating in drafts right now, again, it's the Baker Boy uh, theorem. After round ten, get your guy. It does. You can't rip on anybody for taking anybody after round ten. So some people take him round twelve, round thirteen. I've seen him going rounds ten or eleven. I have. So it's just, it's all over the place. I think that if you want to get him in an FPC format, need to be targeting get him. him. <laughs> well, no, not in the twentieth. Whatever. Just move on. I'm, I'm sick of all this ribaldry. Just go ahead.
1: Oh man, you know here in Wisconsin, a 210 pounder he's, he wears a size medium.
0: You know, round one and round 28, round 23 <laughs> technically is the middle. Technically speaking, it John, is in the middle. Speaking of uh,
1: 210 pounders, and let's talk about puff pieces. People are puffed up here in Wisconsin. Uh, what's the difference between those articles and true messages and beat writers' reports leading up to the season? Uh, What aspects do you look for when you uh, know to ignore a story or when to actually adjust your big board by moving a player up or down based on a reporter's uh, story that they're putting out?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you, Dave. You know, um, I I try to take in as much as I can, you know, Um, whether I'm listening to the Fantasy Channel, you know, I'm pulling things up on the the Internet, you know, checking social media. You know, I like to hear, you know, the, the different viewpoints. I like to hear the different trends. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just looking for information. You know, um, there's not really any one particular person or, you know, any one thing that, um, you know, that that I'm looking for to to kind of sway my decision. You know, so um, we've got a group of guys, you know, that um, we've got multiple leagues, you know, in the main event, you know, so um, we're talking throughout the week, kind of talk pros and cons. But really there's nothing there that, that, you know, that that would sway my mind. I'm just looking at taking as much info as I can. And, and kind of make my own decisions from there.
0: Makes a lot of sense. You have to uh, you have to go out and uh, you know go with your gut, get your guys. It's what John Shaw does. It's what fantasy players all over the place, successful ones. Dave, they do this all the time. We're gonna pick. We're gonna Jeff. play a drinking game called Get Your Guys. I'm gonna be drunk by the end of all these shows. Hey, listen, man, that's just that's <laughs> it's just loaded. That's been my philosophy. Dave's going to go get a drink, as I say, get your guys right now. You're right back. We're going to be right back with uh, John Schauer. We're going to pick his brain about a tight end, former uh, first-round pick in FFPC drafts that has plummeted in 2016. I'm going to talk to John right about that uh, About that. right after this. This is Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. VHS FF Power rolls on here. My name is Eric Balkman. His name is Dave Gerzak, and we are talking with FFPC main event uh, veteran, actually lead runner-up last year, and uh, off-the-grid veteran uh, John Shaw, who is uh, talking tonight about uh, the the off-the-grid bidding strategy, uh, some thoughts on um, ascertaining the difference between a puff piece and uh, preseason beat writer dumb, and uh, stuff that you need to pay attention to. And one of the things I do want to ask you, John, is Jimmy Graham. He uh, He's really seen the bottom fall out of his uh, draft value this year. Uh, he has an ADP right now, uh, like we said at the top of the show, in the late seventh round, but I'm actually seeing him fall even further, especially with the news uh, that he might be on the pup list to start the preseason. Uh, Jimmy Graham uh, sometimes going in the ninth round, tenth round, or even later. Uh, we saw in the pros versus Joes draft on um, uh, Monday this past week, he actually went as the 27th tight end uh, off the board, so really, really uh, fell in that draft as well. You talk about um, how he's losing his value this year. Do you think uh, fantasy drafters have gone too far by letting Jimmy Graham slip uh, all that way, or do you believe he actually uh, could be making a smart—you uh, know—he could be a smart draft decision later on in FFPC formats?
2: No, no. I'll tell you, Eric. I'm not really surprised that he's dropped the way he has. You know, um, know, I'm kind of surprised about all the talk about him being ready for week one. You know, so um, if I'm not mistaken, you know, he had a similar injury to Victor Cruz, you know, at the end of last year. I mean, it's it's been a year and a half, almost two years, since Victor Cruz has played. So, um, you know, they they say that patellar tendon is is one of the worst injuries that you can have. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at him, and he's going to be less than a year removed from surgery before week one. So um, I'm not surprised by that. Um, but but even if he wasn't injured, you know, he, he really didn't do a whole lot last year either, you know. So um, he got off to a slow start. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's really him or the offense. You know, I mean, um, Seattle, you know, they made a similar move a couple years earlier with Percy Harvin, and that flamed out. So um, I, I don't know if it's the coaching staff. I don't know if it's the system, but, you know, when you look at it, Seattle just really doesn't use the, um, the the tight end that often. So, you know, he's he's going to be somebody that I'm definitely not, not targeting. You know, if he's there in the 20th round, I may take a flyer on him, but he's not somebody that I'm, I'm going to target.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, even, even going as late as he is, uh, you know, not enough to convince John Shaw to take him at his uh, current ADP. And quite frankly, you know, one of the things I found interesting when I was researching Jimmy Graham, and I can't remember – like the Jimmy Graham show where I read this but Jimmy Graham actually while he was healthy last year while he was playing for Seattle he was either the most targeted or the second most targeted receiver in that Seattle offense and remember we kept talking about why don't they use Jimmy Graham why can't they get him involved well apparently they were trying and it just wasn't working out you know so the fact that he's going to miss this entire offseason this entire preseason No chemistry can be built with him and Russell Wilson until week one, if he is even ready that year. We're talking about a slow start for him as well. You would think that there's going to be a slow start for Graham this year. He might just be somebody to avoid and and go for a high upside flyer at that point. Yeah, could be. Go ahead. I know you're sick of it. I have nothing else to listen, say about Jimmy listen. Graham. Listen, You know, if it makes you feel better, we can stop talking about Jimmy Graham and shift the focus to maybe uh, the Cleveland Browns, another favorite of your topic <coughs> on the show. We don't have to talk about the Browns. I'm just saying that's something we could shift. Let's to. talk about the
1: main event, actually. All ahead, right, John. Even better. Since you're uh, you're typically doing two main event drafts in Vegas, do you feel better prepared for the second one, um, or they seem to fluctuate quite a bit in terms of how they flow?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, going into multiple um, drafts in Vegas, you know, you definitely feel better after the first draft. You know, multiple drafts, it's always good to get that first draft out of the way. Uh, You're always excited to get in the town. You kind of look forward to the event, you know, months in advance. So, um, you know, it's good to get in there, get settled, you know, get through the first draft, take a look at some trends. So um, it's definitely a positive when you're drafting multiple leagues.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's so bizarre because, you know, we walk through the, um, or at least I walk through the, um, well, Caesar's Palace the last few years, but I walk through the ballroom looking at draft boards and I sometimes I'm even surprised. I'm like, I can't believe that these leagues are like, it's the same format, the same contest because some of these FFPC leagues, man, it's just crazy. It's wacko. We actually saw it in Pros versus Joe's this past week. Um, Sunday was sort of like what you would call a quote unquote standard FFPC draft. Oh, G- yeah. Monday. Tight ends totally got pushed up. Like I mean, it was <laughs> those a, were fun
1: drafts. Actually, where all of a sudden it's like,
0: oh, it was so it got, bizarre. Like, three guys go crazy, and all of a sudden the whole the whole board gets just turned whack, upside down. Yeah, and that's what happened. And then Tuesday, it wasn't the tight ends; it was the receivers. Everybody went receiver crazy, and some of the values that people were getting on running backs and tight ends in that draft was just. I think Jared Smola, who co-hosted the show with me on Tuesday, he actually said that he couldn't believe that people were getting these tight ends here and these running backs here, uh, whereas you know. They were not going at that same spot. Well, that's easy. that's easy to be able to put that analysis out there, Balky. It's not like that was like his hardest-hitting analysis. <laughs> I'm just saying like that was one of the comments he made. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to hate on Jared. We had a couple of email commenters uh, email into the show, John, and they wanted to uh, ask your opinion on some things. Uh, the first one is from uh, Alan in El Paso, Texas. Are you buying into the Amari Cooper hype this season and would you take him in the late second round of a main event league this year? Thanks John, that's Allen in El Paso, Texas. Uh, thank you for the email, Alan. Uh, currently going at the 210, uh, the third to last pick of the second round is Amari, Coop- Amari Cooper, All right. <clears throat> receiver, Oakland. Just Heard I, of him? I was I was in the chat, I wasn't listening. John, far be it for me to ask you a question yeah, about Look, I know Jared listens to when you talk. I about know he does. I'm sorry. You're much smarter than me, too. John, far be it for me to ask you a question about a Crimson Tide player, but I'm going to. What's your opinion on Amari Cooper uh, this year, as far as him being a second late second-round pick?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, Eric. That's a sore subject. You know, uh, the Crimson <laughs> Tide, but. Um, <clears throat> but I'll tell you what though now like Amari cooper, you know um, typically um, you know I've had some pretty bad luck in the past with um, second year receivers you know um, not saying that, that he's not going to have a good year but um, you know I think a lot of people fail to realize that Crabtree had a really good year last year as well you know so um, cooper you know he you know much like um, you know the talk regarding Langford and the drops you know, uh, Cooper Cooper had numerous drops last year as well. So, um, you know, I, I like him, you know, um, but to me, I, I think there's probably a little better value Wet second, early third. I'm kind of surprised, you know, to see that he's going middle second. But um, I, I don't think it's a bad pick. It's just for me, there's just a couple other guys that, that I'm kind of targeting over Cooper. Uh,
0: I mean, listen, I think that Amari Cooper, when you look at – what he was when he came out of Alabama, the type of rookie season he had last year at Derek Carr. I feel like the hype is getting a little bit out of control when you talk about him as being the the 20th overall player selected. I think that's not crazy, but I think that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. I think that there are better values uh, than Amari Cooper there. So I'm actually with you, John. Uh, Final email we have for you tonight uh, from uh, Phil in San Luis Obispo, California, looking at how, this year's first two rounds of ADP, that makes no sense. What? <laughs> Look, really? Looking at how this year's first two rounds of ADP, so how they're shaking out, I don't know. You know we should, you know, Can we correct these things when we're typing them up here? Listen, Rob just sends them to me. Uh, how likely is it that you'll end up breaking the bank in off the grid for a specific uh, slot? Thank you, sort of, for the email, Phil. John, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier when you talked about where the value's falling uh, in 2016 drafts. Um, when you talk about really investing a lot of cash into a specific draft slot, do you see yourself doing that in either the first or second rounds this year in OTG? No one's listening, by the way. Uh,
2: I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, um, I mean, the bank will be. Uh, you know, we'll break. We'll break the bank before you know the, the two rounds are up. You know, so um, whether or not it's all going on the on the first, you know, um, you know, consensus top three picks. You know, I can't answer that right now, just because we haven't. You know, um, I'm, I'm just not where where I'm. I'm a hundred percent on my strategy. You know, if I do go on um, wide receivers, you know, the, then of course, you know, I've got to pick it up there. You know, but but you know, when I kind of take a look at it, you know, and in the past, I've I've kind of favored running backs. And when I look at it, you know, I think the um, I think the round set, you know set up very well. You know, um, for somebody that's wanting to go running back heavy. So, um, you know, it's kind of crazy, but you know, in all essence, you know, you could end up paying more for the number three pick than you do the number two pick. You know, the four pick could, could just really fall off. And then the five pick could jump up. So it's kind of hard to answer that the the way that the, uh, the way that the money kind of fluctuates there in the first and the early second round.
0: It is something to see watching the bidding for that, for that off the grid stuff. So fun. It is great. And then the, the uh, the reactions based on bids. You well, the other I mean? thing
1: that's really fun too is when is to uh, of course these are all these are it's a midday draft now, right? Yeah. I'll see it. I, think, I was thinking about when Alec, when we did it. After, we had done it before after the the, the party, right? That was we had. Do we have it in the year like that? Or? I don't remember that. That might have
0: been before my time.
1: No, maybe maybe not. I mean, I'm just thinking of the. Uh, I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of the bare knuckles. Yeah, thing. bare knuckle. Yeah. Or we all get drunk and then talk too loud, and Alex yells at us.
0: Yeah, I get yelled at. Get me.
1: out of here. Get, get <laughs> hey, guys,
0: you, you <laughs> really got to – the noise is just – it's its really disrupting the players. They, they really can't – they can't focus on the draft. You, you're going to have to take it outside or somewhere else. You can't be at the draft board anymore talking this loud. That's, that's basically what I was – That's exactly what he said. And then he took me outside and caned me he does do that it was rough but uh i persevered he's part russian um he is dave before we <laughs> get ourselves uh in any more uh trouble with the russians here why don't you ask uh, uh john our final question for him this yes evening. the final and most important question uh john give
1: us a guy right now that you're really starting to like for 2016 and a player that's being drafted just way too high that you want nothing to do with we just want free advice here that's what Balky and i are all about
2: Okay. Okay. Well, um, to, to start out with the person, you know, that, that I'm not real crazy about, um, you know, to me, just, I I think Sammy Watkins is being valued way too high. Um, you know, I mean, last year, you know, I mean, he he had a couple, you know, big games, but really at the end of the day, you know, I think he played 13, 13 games last year. He just barely went over a thousand yards and 60 catches. And, uh, if you take away, you know, the final game of the year, you know, he finished, he would have finished with less than 50 catches and less than, and right at 900 yards. So, um, you know, he's get he's getting a lot of talk, you know, um, prior to the injury, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, mid to late second. the injury came up and then, you know, he kind of slid to mid third. He's starting to make his way back up into the um, top of the third. Um, I mean, and you you look at Rex Ryan in that offense. I mean, I don't know if he's ever had a top fantasy wide receiver, you know, his years of coaching in the the NFL. So, um, I I think Sammy Watkins is is getting a little bit too much, um, you know, too much press right now. So, um, he's somebody I I think that's definitely overvalued. Yeah,
1: Um, I'm with you. I've never
0: been a big wide. I've never been a big Watkins guy. And, what? And no, I never. First of all. I have. I'm a big Watkins guy. I know. Guy. And you know and what? I understand. I don't mind Johnson. I, I, I always get thrown under the bus. <laughs> like whenever Sammy. super
1: talented. I can't believe you don't no, like him here's as a the player. Thing.
0: Here's the thing with Sammy Watkins among our little. You ever looked
1: at him? Here, here's here's he the thing. He looks like a stud player.
0: Whenever he's running really well and playing well it's drilled. Okay, cool. Then too. it's always you and Kurt are saying, Oh yeah, we knew it all along <laughs> and then whenever and then whenever he has like a three for fifteen performance like, Oh Balky's boy really <laughs> sucked today. Yeah, that's you know? true. So annoying. And I
1: think that's part of the reason Kurt why I like in Kentucky Watkins. last year, we drafted Watkins in, like, every single week. And when Watkins would have a
0: bad game, Kurt would be like, oh, Balky's boy, he sucks. So, I don't I don't understand why I get And, you know, everybody, like, just jumped on that bandwagon. Like, oh, I guess Balky really liked Watkins. And the thing is, like John
1: said, it's like, you know, Watkins had a ton of, like, he had, like, an 8 for 150 in three touchdown game. And then
2: the right. next week he'd be, like,
0: 2 for
1: 30.
2: You know, So frustrating. So
0: it was great. So frustrating. John, what about a, a guy that uh, you actually do like this year?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, there's a there's a guy that I've kind of got my eye on. I'm not going to say he's going to be my number one tight end, you know. But um, you know, just kind of taking a look at some things here. You know, I've kind of got my eye on Dwayne Allen as as a possible number two um, tight end. Um, you know, and and the reason being is, you know, number one, I think um, Indianapolis has kind of taken a step back. You know, uh, it seems like every um, team in that league is kind of you know, gotten better in the off season. You never really know until the first game or until the season plays out. But, um, you know, I mean, Fleener's no longer in um, Indianapolis. Um, Indianapolis, you know I, I, you know, I think they're going to struggle on the defensive side of the ball this year. All three of their receivers are, are basically the same. They're small, they're quick, they're fast. You know, um, they don't really go over the middle. So I think with Dwayne Allen kind of being the primary target there, you know, um, the middle's going to open up for him and he's going to have an opportunity, you know, to uh, to do something that he's never done in the NFL and that's catch the ball, you know. So um, he was used, I guess, more of a blocking back when Fleener was there. Um, like Watkins, he's out of um, Clemson, you know, and he had a ton of hype coming out of college, but um, he's just he's just never really lived up to it. But the the, the thing, you know, I think that, you know, interests me more about, um, you know, Dwayne Allen is his offensive coordinator. <clears throat> and, um, you know, that's Rob Chudzinski, Chiz, if I'm saying it right. You know, and if, if you look back at Chudzinski, you know, he's coached Gates. He's coached Greg Olson in Carolina. And he was in um, actually in Cleveland, you know, the only year that Jordan Cameron ever did anything. So, um, you, know, you know, he's just somebody that kind of got my eye on. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, I've, I've got to have him but um, he, he might
0: be a good flyer. You are preaching to the converted on uh, Dwayne Allen. I, I think he's in for a good season this year as How well. How can you like Dwayne Allen and like Fleener? They're on separate teams now. That's I'm, I'm all about it. Um, listen, I'm all – We have a caller, we, we do, and we're going to get to him in a little bit, but I do want to thank John Shaw. Uh, fantastic interview, a lot of great <laughs> stuff uh, for anybody who's uh, – uh, ever going to participate in the Off the Grid. I think that you gave them uh, some things to think about tonight. We actually have spots open in that league if you have any guts. Well, there you go. Compete against uh, John Shaw in the Off the he Grid. He just told you who he likes already. Exactly. You're already ahead of the game. <laughs> uh, listen, John, thank you so much for <laughs> joining say, us. Best of luck in the main alive. event and the Off the Grid this year and really all of your leagues. Uh, thanks for so uh, so much for coming on tonight. And uh, we'll see you out in Vegas, man.
2: Hey, I appreciate it. Y'all you'll have a good, uh, good night and a good weekend.
0: All right, Thanks, thank John. you very much. Paul,
2: buying you a drink.
0: John Shaw, sure. Out oh. of his pocket. That's yeah, fine. I can do that. It's not, we're not at Caesars anymore. <laughs> we can afford a drink <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, listen. Uh, we'll get you a Top
1: Shelf mixer, actually.
0: Yeah, we uh, we have a caller coming up. I do want to get to him, but we are up against a break. A special guest coming up right after the well, break.
1: Hold on for us. We'll be right back.
0: Eric Balkman, Dave Gerzik, and fill in the blank on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour coming up right after this. I'm Eric Balkman, he's Dave Gerzak, and uh, this is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I want to welcome you back to the show. Now, during that last interview, I apologize for anybody who is uh, listening to this later on, we got some tweets coming in, and uh, one was from at Tango and Cash FF. Of course, uh, a long-time FFPC player, uh, tweets out, patiently waiting for my draft slot in the FFPC main event this weekend. And, uh, of course... He decides to call into the show as well. Let's bring him on, Matt Zozula. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, what's what's going on, fellas? We're uh, we're definitely happy to hear from you again. You did a great job in your pros versus Joe's draft earlier this week. And uh, listen, any any uh, public uh, format that I can get you to uh, berate Dave into getting your draft slot early, I'm going to you the sure, pick. I'm going to make sure that you can come on. <laughs> what, tell us what you're hoping for uh, when
3: those draft slots come out this weekend. Well, you know, uh, I like somewhere in the middle, you know, in between like five to ten, you know. But I've been doing so many drafts. I, you know, you, it's random, obviously, when you put you in some of these best ball formats. And it's just, you know, it's it's tough. I think the ends are tough, you know, because you have to wait for your pick to come all the way back. But, you know, to me it's just, you know, you got to adjust. It's like any, any draft, you know. You just adjust as it comes to you. So hopefully, hopefully your draft board lines up when, when it comes to your pick, you know. So that's what I always try to say. When we uh when we
0: last spoke with you, you were about halfway through your pros versus Joes draft. Um, but how did the second half turn out when you look at your team as a whole? Uh how how, how much or how good do you think that that's going to that squad's going to be as far as contending for that free main event entry next year?
3: Well, you know, uh I think Derrick Henry, you know, he's an interesting pick there and uh Buck Allen, I like uh I like Mark Trestman's uh, running backs, you know, and obviously it's a running back by committee kind of there, but I think Buck Allen kind of showed himself, you know, what his value was last year to the team. And, uh, you know, as long as uh, uh, Flacco's healthy, I think the running backs will, you know, do very well there. But I actually ended up uh, getting uh, Virgil Green in, uh, I forget what round was it, maybe the 23rd or 24th, and then Jeff Huerman was there two rounds later, so I figured to get him, and then I, I pretty much uh, sewed up the the tight ends there in Denver. So I thought that was a pretty nice move. I usually don't try to handcuff tight ends, but I don't know who's going to be the number one there. So I figured, you know, you know, when it's that late in the draft, why not go and uh, get those tight ends? Because you were saying that I was kind of short on my tight ends, but I think uh, you guys uh, didn't get to see the rest of my team when you were talking there, so. Well, I'll tell you what. Had I known
0: you were going to get Green and Hoyerman that late, boy, that is fantastic value, to, especially if, if if you were uh, really good at running back, receiver, quarterback, to get those tight ends late. That's, that is really good. And yeah, I don't think we were broadcasting, obviously, into the 23rd round. So nice job there. Dave, go ahead. You have
3: a well, question.
0: I've,
1: what did you think of the analysis of the color guy who was announcing that night?
0: Yeah, who? Uh, oh,
3: Matt, who was that? Was that uh, Oh Was, it, was it Feral? Feral, yeah. You know, I, you know, I loved his analysis. Me and my friend were just oh, hang cracking up. On up. <laughs> we, well, we had. Well, no, no. I mean, he was just—he's kind of bland, you know. He's—he kind of, you know, he kind of, Feral you know, he's kind of me. No, he's—he's he's funny guy because he got forever cracking up. He said the one TV, he goes, "Well, they were like they you know, hit seven birdies in a row." And then they got to the eighth <laughs> hole, and they, they went to the bar or something had to drink, and I just, <laughs> I just I thought, see, that was,
0: I thought that was
3: the best. Only
1: Farrell can bring me, yeah, yeah. that in.
3: Yeah, I do remember that. See, that I'm was, sucking in that.
1: was that. funny.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I just casually just mentioned, like, oh, what do you think of this team? Like, oh, they birdied the first seven rounds, and then they went to the bar uh, before the eighth. That's very, very funny stuff. Hey, listen, Matt, we got to get to these emails, but it was great hearing from you. I, hope, uh, I can only hope that you are happy with your main event uh, draft slot that you get this weekend. Best of luck to you in that as well.
3: Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Matt, right, thanks, man. Matt
0: Zozula, one half of uh, Tango and Cash, FF, who you can follow on Twitter. See, it just shows you the social media bulky. Every once in a long while, it works. It does work. And you can also follow John Shaw on Twitter. I should have mentioned that. Uh, at usually, jshawwde. W. D. E. Usually you do. Say I know. I, can, I can't. can you say it again? It's just so everyone's right. At J. for John Shaw. All right. All right. Moving on.
1: Tweet, tweet, tweet.
0: You've got a question for Eric Daver, tonight's guest? Send them a tweet at H S F F Hour on Twitter. Email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with H S F F or just smack Eric in the head. That's HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail or at H S F F Hour on Twitter. John, Sean, and
1: I are all already. Uh, we're already you following, following each other. Yep, we're already. Yeah. A- Twitter buddies. There you go. That's, wow. He, uh. He's got more followers and following he's than got I do.
0: 1,500 followers. Nice job, John. That's good. He doesn't even troll around like you do. Yeah, I guess. Uh, speaking of social media working every now and then. <laughs> at. <laughs> Tweets. At the underscore guilds actually, uh, decided send us a, actually sent me a tweet. Hey, Bulky, is there FFPC ADP available? I thought once you join a league, you have access to it. No? Thanks. And love the podcast. Well, let me tell you something. We here at the FFPC, we don't force you to join a league to get our ADP. We're not some sort of, what is this, communism? Or what would, what would that be, capitalism? Yeah, that's true. We don't force you to do that. We do, however, force you to get a football guy's membership, uh, and then you can get the FFPC ADP. Clayton Gray put out uh, the FF, first FFPC ADP you did article. You do
1: Purple belt. Clayton Grant.
0: Yeah. July 22nd is when he put it out. He, he says he plans on updating it about every two weeks, so you should see an update on that uh, coming up uh, uh, next Friday. Um, but that is on uh, – you have to have a uh, membership to footballguys.com. Totally worth it. Obviously, go ahead and uh, sign up if you don't have that. And if you do have it, uh, it's. I think there's a link to it right on their homepage once you log in. So, yeah, sweet. So check it out. All right. Hello, Balky and the Gers. Are you concerned at all that last year's Ascendant could disappoint – For the second straight year. Who was it again? We all saw how good of a pass catcher Theo Riddick was last season. And Ridley and Zenner seems to be ticketed for the the between-the-tackle stuff. I'm not sure what's left for Abdullah after that. Keep up the always-sometimes-good work. Paul in Columbia, South Carolina. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Um, Amir Abdullah, last year's ascendant. Was going in the fourth round of the main event when it came uh, to those drafts, Dave going at the 709, no, not 709, 708 right now, right next to Jimmy Graham, actually. Uh, so late seventh round pick. But how much fantasy goodness is there when you consider Theo Riddick siphoning catches away and Zach Zenner and Stevan Ridley invading the first, uh, first and second down snaps uh, for Detroit? What are your thoughts on Amir Abdullah as a late seventh rounder this year? I like him. I do. I, th- I think that Abdullah is cheap. So the points I just brought up, why do they not resonate to you as much as they seem to be resonating to a lot of our other fantasy owners, especially Paul in Columbia, South Carolina? Why do they not? Uh, Riddick catches a lot of passes. He does. And you think Abdullah is going to siphon those off this year, that, that he'll be getting more of a target share? Yeah, I
1: think, I think Abdullah was over, over as a rookie,
0: and I think that he was not a good pass blocker,
1: as most rookie running backs aren't. You know, not everyone comes out like LT and just destroys the planet. Right. Uh, I think you still look at his talent. I think it, he's very talented. He had amazing agility scores, and he is a player that will break out this season. That's analysis.
0: You look at his talent, he's very talented.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, he is. No, you're, he's, I, he's I, I get it. He's a talented player. And I, I mean,
0: hey, listen, you're, you're getting a starting, essentially a starting running back in the late seventh round. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Just draft him. Okay? I'm on board. I'm with you. I'm agreeing with you. You're, you're you're like, get this Renee Zellweger like puckered up face,
1: like like looking
0: at me right now, all ticked off at me. I'm I'm agreeing with you. Dear HSFF guys, Kenneth Dixon dinged up a ligament in training camp already. Can you really ding up a ligament? That's more of like a bone or a muscle thing. Anyway, he dinged up a ligament. Does this mean that as a rookie he'll fall too far behind Forsett and Allen for 2016? And we can count on those two as the Ravens running backs to own. That's Gary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the uh, DNC just was. I'll bring up my political uh, comment for the night. Um, Justin Forsett going in the early eighth, Buck Allen in the early 12th, Kenneth Dixon in the latter 12th. Let me see that. Right there. All right. Okay. You got it? Yep. I'm seeing it again. Okay. <laughs> this makes her great radio. Kenneth. I think what we're seeing here...
1: Kenneth overrated rookie Dixon. I'll tell
0: you this right now. Dixon's obviously going to drop in ADP. Buck Allen's going to go up, and I think four sets continues to be a steal in the in the early eighth round. If you went... Listen, yes, if that, based, that organization doesn't want to start rookies. Based, based on ADP right now, Dave, you could draft five receivers, two tight ends... No, you couldn't do that. You could draft four receivers... Uh, a tight end and a quarterback, and then get Abdullah and Justin Forsett as your starting running backs. Yeah, I mean, it all sounds good in theory, and it could happen in practice. According to ADP, it's happening more often than not. <laughs> so, I mean, that's entirely possible. So, I just, I, from this news, yes, if you draft Justin Forsett, not the worst idea to get Buck Allen. And I don't think you have to worry about Kenneth Dixon um rick in greensboro north carolina is bulky backing off his boy eddie lacy now that we know he's splitting carries with starks to start the year he can't be in that great of shape if the packers are already giving starks a larger share of the backfield tia rick in greensboro north carolina all right rick <laughs> Tell you something about eddie lacy first of all nobody comes on this show and trashes eddie lacy just doesn't happen second of all if you watch the packers the past few years It's not like Lacey's been the bell cow. I mean, Starks is in there a good third of the time, sometimes more. So if the quote unquote splitting carries, I still believe that Lacey is going to get more than Starks, more snaps. Uh, And I don't really know what the difference is between 55%, like a 55-45 split and like a 65-35 split of what it's been. What, there's nothing to look at here. There's, All right, just go on with I'm just riffing. This is purely off the top ahead, of my go head. Go ahead, riffer. So, And the fact that you can get Lacey in the third round right now, I still think is great value, especially if you go with a receiver and a tight end or a couple of receivers, or even a receiver and running back to start off. I I am not concerned with the splitting carry nonsense. I feel like they did split carries the last couple of years, and Lacey's going to be the one guy you want to own down the stretch. is uh, still fast. That's the problem. Well, he's always going to be large. But, I mean, he's 20 pounds lighter now than he was at this time For last years, year. He was 260, I Yes, think. exactly.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm concerned. You know, the, the other people thing, people don't talk about
0: We're P90X guy again. The, it's a problem. People don't talk about this. But Lacey, yes, he dropped all that weight. But it would have been more. But he actually redistributed a lot of that weight and turned it into muscle in his chest and shoulders rather than just, you know, leaning out. As it were, so I think that there's something to be said for that. So even though he hasn't dropped a massive amount of weight, just remember transform some of that weight into muscle. Final email tonight, our good friend Javier and Terre Haute, Dave. Long time no talk, guys. Really enjoyed this week's pros versus Joe's coverage. Great co-host and a fantastic job by Balky all week. Thank you very much, Javier. I was really surprised to see C.J. Anderson slipping as far as he did. What am I missing here? a defending world championship team that paid him a ton of cash to be the bell cow. He's lost a little weight in tremendous shape and the team is built around its defense and running game. He should be a borderline first rounder and not stuck in the fourth. Thank you for the email. Javier and Tara Haute. 407 is his current ADP. Dave, I think that is stealing when you get Anderson that late, totally with Javier. I agree with Javier. Javier is a smart fellow. What, what's going on with this? Why is Anderson going so late? Um, you know they they think that he's gonna lose
1: carries. I mean, people just you know to who
0: Devonte Booker to whom to whom <laughs> Devonte Booker evidently <laughs> <laughs> grammar police all of a sudden.
1: <laughs> sorry, you're the guy who majored in like
0: literature, right? So if I'm saying it, just let it go. <laughs> all right, sorry. So I don't understand. Like, I mean, you're you're obviously not of this thinking. But when you look at C.J. Anderson and what he has the ability to accomplish this year. With all these touches, the increase in touches that he should be getting, and the fact that he's healthy, still, still a great defense, still a great defense.
1: Crappy quarterback. Player. Is is
0: that what it is? Maybe they're worried about the offense with you know Mark Sanchez or Trevor Simeon or
1: I, you know I, I Joe more, Namath
0: or whoever they're trotting yeah, out there. I mean,
1: I, exactly. I put more credit. I mean, if you put a lot of credit on the defense because you know they get a turn, turnover inside the 20-yard line, all of a sudden they're in the red zone like immediately, and they yeah. just hand it off three times to whomever's running the ball. And he catches. I mean, it's not like he doesn't catch. Again, Booker was a hyped-up guy, so you know he gets a little bit of a ding based on, oh, they drafted Booker. We're in the fourth. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. I think that's I think that's an overrating a rookie, and he's not. I don't think he's going to be this big thing. I don't think. I think Booker is
0: not going to be anything.
1: Yeah. This, especially this year. I mean, maybe next year. Who knows?
0: I, it's 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 tough for me to sit here and say, hey, stay away from C.J. Anderson in the fourth round. I mean, my it'd be tough for me to say in the third round. You know. I, you should be right up there with Eddie Lacey in the mid-third at, at a minimum. You know. Yeah, I think mean, he's cheap. He is cheap. Go ahead and get him. Go ahead and get your guys, Dave. Drink. Take a drink. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for uh, our show this evening. I want to thank uh, John Shaw, tonight's guest. You can follow him on Twitter at jshawwde. I want to thank Matt Zozula for calling in tonight, speaking with him. He is at Tango and Cash FF. I want to thank the FFPC. Rob, Bryce, our audio engineer. And, of course, you for once again listening to us. Uh, Normally we would be back uh, next Friday, but we have three more Pros versus Joes for you. Uh, Live draft coverage beginning with Sunday at 8, 7 central uh, with the Here Comes the Rain Again division. That is going to be Here Comes the Rain Again. Oh my God! We got a show on Sunday. Your rhythmic song, yeah. Oh my God! And you're actually going to be doing the PVJ with me this I week. I know, but so three straight uh, shows with you. So excited! Uh, the pros that you can listen to on on uh, Sunday night, excuse me: Bob Harris from Football Diehards, Rotoviz's Kevin Cole, Fantasy Labs, and RotoVises Matthew Friedman, of course, former co-host of this show. Scott Fish from DynastyLeagueFootball.com runs the Scott Fish Bowl that uh, me and Matt Shelf are going to be winning this year. You, Mike, <laughs> you guys are. Mike Visconti from uh, fantasysportscentral.com. And of course, our good buddy Sam Hendricks from extrapointpress.com. The Joes. Defending Football Guys Players Championship winner Blake Pyle will be one of the Joes. Matt Matt Markow. Do you know Matt Markow or is it Matt Marku right here? I don't. I don't know Matt. Offhand. Okay. Well, hopefully Matt calls in and tells me how to pronounce his last Hope name. So. Darren Summer, of course, former guest to the show. We yeah. love Darren Summer. Roger Gifford, Jay Flake, another former guest to the show. Roger Gifford of Gifford's Ice Cream. Of, of Gifford's Ice Cream. That's oh, right. Oh, that's the best. And Stan Smith. Uh, we'll be rounding out the Joes. Of the Converse fame. Stan Smith of the Converse fame. Yeah. Stan
1: Smith. Converse. Wait, right. are those familiar.
0: Adidas? I. I. Stan Smith.
1: What are they?
0: Smiths or Smith? His name is Smith. <laughs>
1: Uh, clearly, oh, those are
0: clearly, I said go get your guys. Way too much tonight. You no, know,
1: Stan Smith. Those are Falky, well, Don't you even know shoes?
0: I don't. I'm not a shoe
1: guy. You're the whitest guy on this show.
0: Yeah, that's well. <laughs> that is. Totally a lie. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank you uh, so much for listening tonight. And as we close out the show, I want to remind everybody to go on to myffpc.com, check out the dynasties, the online sets, the super flexes we have. Most of all, check out the Football Guys Players Championship. We made a wager tonight. I don't think it's selling out. Dave thinks it does. Prove me wrong. Sign up, three hundred fifty dollars. Already, he's there he's already losing. Yeah. Well, listen. Me already losing is nothing new and definitely is uh, the norm on this show. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you on Sunday night at 8, 7 Central. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. For real, you think we're selling out though, for football guys?
1: <laughs> you and your little after. Show no, tramp. seriously, seriously. Yes, just, I do. Really? Yeah. That
0: wasn't just for good radio.
1: No, it wasn't for good radio. I'll tell you me. what,
0: because we don't need it. We're always awesome radio. God,
1: <laughs> so bad.